Good afternoon to all. I hope you are doing well on this Thursday afternoon and welcome. It is a nice fall day here in North Texas and I hope uh, that your family is well and that you are all doing uh, fine in the midst of a uh, pandemic year of 2020. Uh, we continue to keep all of those who are uh, helping in so many different ways. Our, our first responders, our medical personnel, law enforcement, um, all of our political leaders, we keep them in our prayers as well during this election year. And uh, our churches and our church leaders, we continue to be prayerful uh, for all. And we know that there are many families that continue to struggle and continue to be anxious about things. And so our hope and our prayer is that uh, you will have all of the things that you need and that you will feel God's uh, blessings uh, close to you as well. Uh, many of us uh, go through different things in life and uh, we have a long prayer list here at West Irwin, which is pretty typical for us. Uh, some that are members here, some that are um, family members or neighbors or close friends of our members. And um, and so we uh, we know that there is power in prayer. I'm doing a series uh, of sermons on Sunday mornings right now entitled What I Believe and Why. And um, one of the sermons coming up uh, in the next month or two will be I Believe in Prayer. And so I know that you do as well. And I appreciate all of those who pray for Joyce and for me and for our other church leaders here on a regular basis and for our families. We appreciate you so very much. Uh, we've been studying on Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons from the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms, one of my favorite books. Um, and probably if you had to know, my favorite book would pretty much be the Gospel of John. I kind of love that. Uh, right up there along with it would be the book of Job because I'm kind of crazy that way. And um, of course, the book of Romans would be also very high on that list. Uh, but right along with those would be the book of Psalms. I just love the Psalms. I love uh, the call to worship that they give us. I love the honesty that we read about. And uh, as we read through the ones who are very disappointed in their life and pour out their heart to God in penitence, others who share the greatest of joys in their lives and praise God's name with wonderful psalms of praise, which we'll be looking at uh, starting on Tuesday. And, um, and laments when um, the, the heartbreaking things happen in this life, uh, the psalmist uh, puts it to paper, as it were, and expresses those heartfelt feelings uh, to the God who hears and to the God who cares and who the God and to the God who can bring comfort. Um, doesn't always save us from the difficult things of this life, but he has always promised us that he will always be with us. And so we, we are grateful for that great blessing. This past Tuesday, uh, we finished out our introduction and began to uh, uh, start off with, uh, uh, last Thursday we finished out our introduction, began with some thoughts about calls to worship and praise, beginning with Psalm 117, the shortest psalm, uh, the shortest chapter in the Bible, and the shortest psalm, of course. Uh, great, great uh, uh, call to worship in those two verses. And then we also looked at Psalm 95 and Psalm 96 that call uh, us to worship, that call the people of God to worship, 
the people of Israel in the Old Testament times, and also calls on all of the world, all of the nations, and all of creation even, uh, to sing praises to our God. And so I want us today to look at a few more of those, uh, starting with Psalm 98. It's right there around where we have been uh, looking at uh, these other psalms, and uh, we're going to look at Psalm 98 and Psalm 33 and Psalm 100 today. Uh, great songs, great calls to worship uh, in the Old Testament times for the people of God, the children of Israel. And so as we look at Psalm 98, it is uh, one of those that's uh, not very long. Most of the psalms are shorter. Some of them are longer. And then, of course, there's Psalm 119, which we have expressed uh, about being the longest of the psalms and one that is centered and focused on uh, God's word, which is uh, an incredible thing. Um, but Psalm 98 is a, a lot less than uh, Psalm 119. Um, and so we'll, we'll look at this psalm, and it starts off like some of the others we've already looked at uh, on Tuesday, where it says, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Again, sing a new song. Uh, the psalmist calls out for us to sing uh, a new song to the Lord. And God uh, does new things all the time. And he continues to be in his presence uh, in spite of the fact uh, that he is um, unchangeable, that God is unchanging. Uh, the writer uh, in the New Testament says uh, uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. What a great, great blessing that is, offering stability in our very unstable and unsure society today in the 21st century. Um, but in the same way, uh, God continues to be with us, and he sees this world changing, and he continues to call on us uh, to be there for one another. We were talking last night in our Bible class uh, here at West Irwin Church of Christ. We uh, have been studying um, about Paul's relationship with the Church of the Thessalonians, as he puts it in 1 Thessalonians 1.1 and 2 Thessalonians 1.1. Um, and, and what they went through as they began in Acts 17, and then as Paul wrote back to them in Acts chapter 20, and comparing some of the things that Paul did. He always goes to the synagogue first, and then the Jews get jealous and they run him out. And of course, with the church at Thessalonica, the, the Jews banded together and uh, hired a mob and ran him out of town and then ran him out of the neighboring town of Berea as well. And from there, he goes to Athens. And in Athens, he speaks this sermon that is far different from any of the others that, that we had really read about. A little bit of indication of a sermon like this in Acts 14. Uh, but for the most part, this is a call to uh, people who are not Jews and not Christians. Uh, it's people who are pagans. And so it doesn't work to quote from the Old Testament for them. And that's what Peter had done in Acts 2. And that's what Paul had done in Acts 13 and Stephen had done in Acts 7. But that wouldn't work with them. They don't care about Moses. They don't care about the prophets of the Jews. And so they don't even care about the Psalms. And so what Paul does in Athens is he preaches a different kind of, of, of sermon and uses 
poets uh, that are that are from their culture and uh, helps to apply uh, the word of God to to them in ways that they would identify with and understand. And and that's what we're to do as well. And so when the psalmist says, sing a new song, that's that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the same word of God that is expressed to him in light of uh, some of the other things that are going on now and how relevant and applicable that word is. We find that so true today, even 2,000 years after uh, much of the Bible had uh, begun to be accepted and used. And uh, and it's, it's just amazing that we uh, hear those words and we read them uh, just as they did in the days when Paul wrote the letters to the church at Thessalonica in modern-day Greece, and they read what Paul had to say uh, almost 2,000 years ago. They, they're they so applicable to us today as well. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. When Joyce and I went to a worship seminar uh, in Dallas, Texas, um, probably almost 30 years ago, um, it was in the 1990s sometime, sometime, so 25 or more years ago. It was a great seminar and it taught us a lot of some of the newer songs that were coming out about then and people were beginning to learn and people were beginning to sing in church. Some of them had been around a while, some of them were much newer. And one of them was a song that was taken right out of this statement. He has done marvelous things. I just remember it starting out. It's a, it's a, it, each, each uh, music part has a, has a different melody. Uh, it starts out with, he has done marvelous, he has done marvelous things, praise the Lord. And then each group the, that joins in, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass, each group as they come in, they have a different um, a different melody and a, a, a different, uh, even different words, but that are related to that thought that God has done marvelous things and we should praise him for that. Uh, the song that we sing, the greatest commands that go back to those uh, great statements calling us to love one another and to remember the, um, the how love conquers all. Um, that's a great song as well. And it's similar to that, but a little bit faster paced, <laughs> that song is. And it's taken from right out of here, right out of this, uh, of this psalm. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. You've probably seen something like that as in your Bible reading before when it talks about God's right arm or his mighty hand. Um, those are things that indicate God's great power. And the, of course, the Jews that would hear those things, they understood that. Um, his right hand and his holy arm uh, signify God's power. And then once again, we read that this is a call to worship, not just to the people of Israel, but to all nations. In verses two and three, the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. What a great reminder that again, as we've seen already and we'll see continually through these Psalms, God in the Old Testament was not just interested in his people Israel, but the people of Israel were meant to be God's servant, as Isaiah calls them, uh, to bring his word and to bring his message uh, to all of the nations and to all of the world. All people who have been created in the image of God were called to worship uh, the great creator himself. 
And um, and so this this passage speaks to that, that God has revealed himself to the nations and he has called on his people Israel uh, to remember his faithfulness and to remember that call to serve and to minister. But it goes even beyond God's nation, his people Israel, goes beyond all of the nations of people that were in existence But God, as we've seen in other psalms, calls on all creation to worship the Lord. Beginning at verse 4, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Just like other psalms that we have already seen, and another psalm we'll, sing to, we'll see today, and other psalms that we'll see, see in the future, uh, this psalm recognizes that in the Old Testament times of David and the Jews and the nation of Israel, they used instruments of music in their worship. They used a ram's horn, a harp, uh, all of those things and more. And it I don't think we have to be shy about reading and using these psalms because they do that any more than we have to be shy about passages that call on Israel to sacrifice a a calf or a bull to uh, announce their penitence or to remember God on his sacred feast days. Um, That was part of the way the Old Testament people of God would worship. And and so we understand that. We don't take those verses out of our Bible simply because God has called on us to do it differently uh, in the New Testament. Nowhere in the New Testament does he tell us to use instruments, even though musical instruments were very familiar to the Jews, as this passage indicates, very familiar to the non-Jews, the pagans, the Gentiles of the first century. And yet we don't find uh, the church, we find the church being called to sing. And we, in passages like Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16 and 1 Corinthians 14, sing with the Spirit, sing with the understanding. Um, and yet we don't find that call like we do here in the, in the Old Testament to uh, worship God using musical instruments. In fact, the church for hundreds of years uh, after being established in the first century did not accept musical instruments even after the Roman church uh, kind of came to power and was was predominant, um, and and so we don't we're not arrogant about that. We don't uh, look down on others because of that difference in our view than theirs. But we we have to go by what we understand the Bible to teach in the New Testament. And just like we don't offer up animal sacrifices or uh, keep the Sabbath instead of the Lord's Day, the first day of the week rather than the seventh day. Um, we we practice our 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 singing before God just as we believe the New Testament uh, calls for that. Um, and uh, and so, but looking back on Psalms like this one, we hear that call to sing and to pray and to praise and to play in their day uh, on these uh, instruments along with that singing. And it's a it's it's what verse six says: shout for joy before the Lord, the King. It's a call to worship, 
and uh, they worship the Lord in their way according to the law. We worship the Lord according to what we have in our New Testament. But in both cases, we are called to shout for joy before the Lord. And not just the people of God, not just uh, other people around us, but really all creation uh, is called on to, to proclaim uh, the praise of the Lord. Let the sea resound, verse 7, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. The mountains sing together for joy. Um, why? Because God created them. The same God that created us uh, created all the world. And so he is faithful and just and will judge the world justly. And that's why we are called to praise him. Uh, let them sing before the Lord, verse 9, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. We understand that he is a righteous judge. He is an, a God who is fair and equal, but we also know that he is a God who will ultimately judge. Jesus made that very clear, even in the gospels of his day, in passages like John 12, when he said, I didn't come to condemn the world or to judge the world this time. I came to save it. But there is one who will judge. There is one who will condemn the very word that I have spoken, he said in John 12, uh, will condemn them in the last day. Uh, if they have not accepted it. So we get that and and we recognize God as the as the judge, but also as a judge uh, who is fair and who is just and who is righteous. Um, so now let's turn to Psalm 33. This is another psalm that's very similar uh, to uh, Psalm 98, uh, a little bit longer. And so we'll try to uh, work through it a little bit quicker. I'm, pre I'm speaking to you, Bill Allen. Um, Psalm 33, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Again, very similar to what we just read. Uh, but in Psalm 33, there's more verses to come. And so the question is, for the majority of the rest of the psalm, why worship the Lord? And the psalmist answers that, first of all, saying he is just and faithful and loving. Psalm 33, verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Very similar to Psalm 19 that we'll see down the line. Verse 5, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He is just and faithful and loving, but he is also the creator. And that verse, verse six, introduces that next section that praises God because of him establishing the heavens and the starry host and everything that's been made by his word. And we remember in Genesis how it said, and God said, let there be light, uh, continuing on through creation. Uh, and so continuing on in Psalm 33, verse 7, he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the people fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Again, God's word, God's creative power seen, let there be light, let the waters part. And then God created humanity, mankind in his own image, male and female. Uh, he created them and he blessed them. And at the end of that creation, uh, scripture records, God said it was very good. 
after the creation of humanity. God is to be worshipped because he is just and faithful and loving. He is to be worshipped because he is the creator, but he is also to be worshipped because he is sovereign over all the nations. Starting in verse 10, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Man's plans may not work out very well, um, and we've seen that especially in the year 2020. Uh, but God has a plan and a purpose, and his plans will always uh, work out. And then this great statement in verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. I think the first part of that verse is is just as true today as it always has been. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we pray that this nation will uh, bow the knee to God and seek to do right and seek to do well. We know that as our Constitution and Declaration of Independence affirm, we, we hope and we pray for a more perfect union, that this is an imperfect nation. All nations are. And uh, the only way that God will be the God of this nation is if God is our God individually. And so as the people of God, the church, we call on those around us to make the Lord their God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. There's a there's a, an aspect of that verse that is only fulfilled in the Old Testament, only fulfilled with the people of God, the Jews. Because now the people of God is the church. And it's, it's not that the United States is bad or good. It's that the United States is not the chosen nation. Um, neither is any other nation around today, but rather God's people. His kingdom is the church. Just as Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Uh, and he established that church. I will build my church. He promised in Matthew 16, 18, and he did, but he did it by giving his life for us, dying on the cross uh, for our sins and being raised from the grave. And then on that day of Pentecost in Acts 2, uh, the remission of sins was preached in the name of Jesus Christ and forgiveness was offered through his blood. Uh, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Any nation today that will seek the Lord and will be fair and just for its citizens and, and help them and help others as they have opportunity and ability, uh, they will be blessed. Verse 13, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on the earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. Again, not just the people of Israel, but everyone that God has created. Verse 16, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. For us today, instead of talking about horses and swords, he would talk about armies and, and military and um, and guns and knives and the weapons that we have today. Um, um, jeeps and airplanes, uh, uh, jets, uh, rather than um, horses or uh, uh, donkeys. But this, the, the message is the same. 
And what do we trust? Do we trust in the Lord God or do we trust in, in man? Um, and we want our nation to be smart when it comes to our security. That's a big part of the governing authorities, the civil authorities, wherever you live, all around the world. Um, but ultimately, we know that our trust is in the Lord. Even when Israel was falling to the Assyrians, when Judah was following, falling to the Babylonians, uh, hundreds of years before Christ, uh, still God was present and still God delivered them and saved that remnant of his people. And in the same way, we know that God will deliver us, even through the difficult times. Um, and so we trust ultimately in him. Uh, that is uh, the way that psalmist would see uh, things. And then uh, he affirms as he finishes this great psalm, Psalm 32, we trust and hope in the Lord. Verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. What a great, wonderful prayer of praise, call to worship this whole chapter is, but especially that last verse. Uh, what an appropriate prayer for us today. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Um, that's a wonderful call to worship and a reminder of God's great blessings and care. Um, and so with that, let's go to Psalm 100. The 100th Psalm is one of the most familiar, I think. It's Even though you may not know that it's Psalm 100, like you do, you know it's the 23rd Psalm that starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. But this Psalm is one I think that we sing a lot. We have songs that look back to this uh, Psalm. And, uh, um, and I remember one, even when I was very young, um, I was at the Protestant Chapel on, Lac on Kelly Air Force Base Security Service Area uh, in San Antonio, Texas, and I was from about fifth grade on. I was going very actively at that church and a part of the youth group and a part of the VBS and everything else that was going on there until I became a Christian and was baptized at the Lackland Terrace Church of Christ in my ninth grade year. But I remember a song we used to sing at that chapel, and it was based on Psalm 100. It was almost literally word for word from the King James Version. And it was another one of those where uh, there's an echo, there's a response. One group sings and then another group answers. And it, and it started out like this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come to him with singing. Know that the Lord is God. Well, that, I remember all of that song, even now, all of these years later, uh, not quite 60 years later, but over 50 probably. Um, and, and yet I also know that reading Psalm 100, you will, you will recognize a few of the songs uh, that we sing from this great psalm as well. Um, songs such as, We Bring the Sacrifice of Praise. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And that song, He Has Made Me Glad, I Will Enter His Gates with Thanksgiving in My Heart. You remember that one as well. Both of those great songs, they're great call to worship songs. A lot of times we'll sing them as the first song of the Sunday morning assembly, uh, and rightly so. Uh, because they call us to worship and praise our great God. And here's that psalm. In Psalm 100, it begins with this statement, Come before the Lord with joy. 
Uh, Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. The psalmist calls on God's people to come before the Lord with joy. Uh, and I remember another psalm that we'll look at sometime in the future that says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's like, I, I'm so glad that it's Sunday. We get to gather with the saints. We get to gather with other Christians and sing these great songs and hymns and hear a message from his word and partake of the Lord's Supper to remember Jesus' body and blood that was given for me and, and, and given for the whole church. Um, what a great idea from the psalmist. And then he goes on in verse three again. Why praise the Lord? Because he is our creator. He is our master. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We have seen that before and we'll see it again. Um, God's uh, the model of God as shepherd and we are his sheep. And the shepherd takes such great care of us. In this case, the shepherd has made us. He is creator and he is the one who cares lovingly for us. Um, and so we're grateful for that. And this great verse, Psalm 100 verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise or bless his name. Uh, what a great statement. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. I, I've come more and more through the years to believe that uh, for us to have real pure and true joy, uh, we have to have a thankful heart. We have to count our blessings, as another great song says. We have to be thankful for the things that God has done for us and the things that he has given us. And I think when we do that, then we're able to come before him with joy when we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Uh, and then finally, verse five, why do we praise the Lord? Because he is good, he is worthy, and he loves us and cares for us always. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And that goes far beyond the specific situation that you might be in right now, because those are gonna be good times and bad times. Some things will work in your favor at times, sometimes you won't. As the old saying goes, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. Uh, great Mary Chapin Carpenter song about that one, by the way. Uh, sometimes you're the bat, sometimes you're the ball. Um, but in all times, whether it's a good day or a bad day, whether things are joyous and your heart is light or whether it's a real struggle today, uh, God is present with you. And there's reason to trust him and there's reason to hope in him and there's reason to be thankful. Um, the Lord is good and loving and faithful. And so as we close this study today, I look forward to next week. We won't be reading calls to worship, although they can be used that per se. But what we will be uh, continuing with are some wonderful psalms of praise. So much of the Psalter, the psalmists uh, talk about uh, praising God for the things that they see all around them. And that's what we will do as well. But first, let's read this great psalm. Let's be reminded that uh, our hope is in the Lord and we seek his blessing and we come before him with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. 
It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen.